Hey everybody, welcome to Hobbs and Friends. I am your host, Jason Hobbs, and it is so good to be back on the mics talking to you guys and just in general podcasting. It's a little different than streaming, but I'm never going to stop doing it, I don't think. <laughs> so I would like to introduce a guest that I'm super excited to have on the show. He's a great person to start out 2021. It makes me feel like it's not going to be a dumpster fire and it's going to be something special. He is none other than Zach Wolf of Spell Sword LLC. How you doing, Zach? Excellent. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that uh, kind introduction there, my friend. Yeah, man. Do you? Do people usually add the LLC, or do they just say Spell Sword? I mean, the government says LLC. <laughs> Otherwise, I just say I like Spell Sword Home Entertainment. I don't know. That's classic to me. It's old VHS oh. stuff. All right, Spell Sword Home Entertainment. We could also say that you have a blog, which is called Spell Sword Studios. You you want to talk about that a little? Yeah, I'm really terrible at blogging, but I will try hard to put something there that is relevant and good to read soon. Well, I have to tell you that I looked at it today when I was doing my FBI background check on you, and I saw the first post that really interested me was something about zone crawling. You, okay. you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, it's uh, it was just a dumb idea, basically. Like, you got a map, right? And you could have hexes, and hexes are cool. Hexes work fine. Or you could do a point crawl, and that's fine, too. But what if the hexes were not hexagonal shape exactly, but amorphous and sort of... You, you just break up the regions into these little zones, and then that sort of replaces the hex shape in, in, in a way. So it's just a different way to visualize your map and track movement and say, okay, this zone is like this and this zone is like that and both of these zones together make a this region or something like that. So just another conceptual way to look at uh, a map. That's pretty nice. I think I'm going to add the counterpoint music in there because in past Hobbs and Friends episodes, I've obviously done Hex Crawl with the Hex Lords, Eric Hoffman and Jose Lacario. And then I did a point crawl with the man himself, Chris Kudelik, who I think started the point crawl thing. I, I don't know for sure. Sometimes those things are fuzzy. I think you might be right, but yeah, yeah, definitely. It's sort of like a hybrid. It's really just a point crawl with a different name. Yeah, I think, but I like zone because if you think about hex crawls, a lot of times we'll talk about zones being differently, especially in a West Marches type of environment. So yes, uh, I think that's pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah, I think nice, that's a good one to look at. Good work. So I think briefly, very, very briefly, because this is really the main thrust of what I wanted to talk about today. I want to say this is the product that introduced me to you. The Evils of Iltmeyer, and that was from uh, Zine Quest 2. Do you have, like, maybe what you would put on the back of a book, like a boilerplate or something? Let's just give the audience a teaser of what The Evils of Iltmeyer is. So it's basically a little campaign setting and uh, adventure in your pocket. It's like uh, 72 pages or something, interior plus the cover, but it's basically a small hex crawl. It's got 19 hexes, and each hex is somewhat detailed so that there's something interesting to find, and you're not going to go to a hex and find it empty. There's something to do. There's something to interact with, and 
I I just like the idea of having there be some kind of dungeon in almost every one of them. So I got in over my head and did as many dungeons as I could fit into a zine and tried to keep them like that, uh, what do you call it, the, the dashboard style where it's, you know, you got the... Panels, right? Yeah, the or, panels. Yeah, you got the yeah. description and then you got the map and they're right next to each other and you don't have to flip back and forth a lot. I think that helps make it uh, a little bit easier to use during play. But it's basically a hex crawl, and so the idea is you can just go there and just explore and do whatever you want, but there's also an overarching plot that kind of ties it all together uh, that you can discover as you go along and have no choice but probably get wrapped up into it because the bad guys and the the evil faction is going to come after the players no matter what. Nice. Pretty good. Pretty good. I hope all of your interests are piqued by that. And we'll go on to the next introduction portion of the show. How do we know each other? We don't. This is the first time we've seen each other, but we have talked on, like I said previously, email, Twitter, Discord, direct messages. I think it started with me just sending you something saying I liked your product and what you thought about this or that and that I was going to run it. I mean, doesn't that sound right? Yes, exactly. And so I've been a fan for a while watching and following. So I feel like I know you a little. All right. I appreciate that. You know how that is. It's a weird thing where you Mm -hmm. don't know the other person, but they know you just from what you're writing or what you're putting out there in social media. So pretty interesting. Nice. Let's talk about our gaming briefly. Do you want to go first? You want me to? You go first. All right. So I have not had a show in months. And when I look at my, I just put out a random screen not too long ago called 18 Days and how many hours of podcast or how many games I played in 18 days. And it was 27 hours of games in 18 days. And that's that better has, than me. And that's only gone crazy since then. I mean, I'm playing normally seven to nine games a week. Wow. So pretty exciting for me, but I do want to brush over some quick. I have the OSE games, which is my legendary Kalmata game which is a hex crawl and it is a West Marches style game. It uses OSC, like I said, and then I have a two weekly campaigns, uh, White Sands and the North March, both from my Emergent Empire setting, which by the way, I put Evils of Ilmire into, but it was called Days of Lincium because I renamed Ilmire into Lincium. And that's why this product is good because you can easily put it into your campaign without having to change everything. It's what we call good vanilla in that way. It does, it can fit right into your game. It's vanilla enough, but not too vanilla. So. I, I really appreciate that. Like that's my favorite badge that it could get is good vanilla. Cause that, that's totally what I was going for. I, I'm straight down the middle. I like that classic old school stuff, but just enough little things here and there to make it interesting and not just the same old yeah i'm a fan that's a good i love that i'm also have a weekly game of lfg low fantasy gaming chronicle of the cursed axe and then i also have a west marches game of midlands and kalmata maybe each of those once or twice a month the other games are all weekly that i've mentioned and then i am also on the dungeon musings youtube channel playing second edition AD&D in two different campaigns one being the legacy of the crystal shard which was created for D&D next and then the other being the night below which was i think that was a beck me beck me thing but i'll tell you he we've done so much stuff in that game we're on session 94 of that game and we have not hardly gone into the night below yet 
So I have the night below here somewhere. It's right next to me. I can't find it. Right, yeah, that's, cool. that's like my favorite, man. It's back in the day. Today I was on the Dungeon Musing U channel just before this game play or just before this podcast doing Shadowrun Third Edition. Yes, that's second and third are where I'm at right there. That's my, nice. That's my I have spot. never, I'd never played Shadowrun before. I'd read some books and I had the original Shadowrun First Edition book, but I never played it at all. It's always one of those things I thought was really cool to read about, but not play. And I jumped at the opportunity to play it. So. That, that's me, man. You go. Well, I did want to rewind a little bit because you mentioned okay. Kalmata. That's uh, what Vault Treasure Vaults of Zabadad? Or Zadabad? Zadabad. The Treasure Zadabad. Vaults of Zadabad. It is for all you Twitchers out there. We will show it again. I show it all the time. I I'm, love it. I'm, good. We'll talk about that later, I think. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll swing back to that. Yeah. So I've been working, man. I have not played. I've been doing a little bit of play testing for Realms of Peril. That's what's coming this coming Wednesday, we're starting the Kickstarter and launching that. Mm -hmm. I've just been playing with my, my kids and doing playtesting that way because I'm hoping I'm going to start a big open West Marches campaign on Discord for all the backers and everything to come and play and we can all play together. And it's going to be awesome. But for now, I've just been playing just here at home. Pregnant yeah, pause as I get really excited. That sounds fantastic. I hope I can get um, an invite. That would be great. Oh, absolutely. Yes. All right. Love it. Great. Back to the... All right. So this is the moment everyone's been waiting about or waiting for. Everything about you. You want to go or do you want me to... You go. Your turn. All right. So this is a lame one, but I have... This would be the 69th everything about you that I've done. I would just like to say that it's been a minute and thanks again to all you people out there who have stuck with me, asked when we're going to have another Hexcrawl episode, when we're going to have another Hobbs and Friends episode, when am I going to do more random screeds? And I'm not just talking about Patreons on Patreon or people that hang out in the Gamerhood Discord. I'm talking about everywhere. It is, people say that the hobby is toxic and it's all these things. I can just say that's not really my experience. My experience is it's just like anywhere else. There's some douchers out there. I stay away from them if I can. That's what I do. And the rest of it is just fantastic and awesome. Uh, I was so thrilled today. I went back and I played a bunch of uh, random screed call-ins. So I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a podcast on Anchor that I do. And on Anchor, it's like a radio show almost where I talk and then you can actually call into the show, not live, but you can call into the show and leave a message and then I'll play those and then I'll talk about those. And there's a whole bunch of people doing uh, RPG podcasts on Anchor now. And so I went back to 2017 when I first started the podcast and played a bunch of the episodes and I created a whole random screen just with those messages. And it was fantastic. And I really just want to, I just really want to thank all the people out there uh, that are so great who listen and I appreciate you. So you go, man. Neat. Uh, that sounds really cool to me. The whole like calling in and leaving message stuff. That's that's awesome. I like that that format. That's a good format. So, what's my goal here? I'm I'm supposed to just talk about me? Uh, yeah. Pick something that maybe people don't know about you. Like maybe you're gonna be famous now after you've been on the show. <laughs> you're nice. already famous, but you're gonna like maybe something you want people to know. Like some people say what their actual day job is, or just something interesting about you, just to. 
I'm just old school, man. I've been playing D&D since I was like nine. Uh, I remember buying the, the red, I think it was the red box. or the I don't know what they call it, but it was the original D&D, OD&D box set, and I loved it. You either look super young or you really don't know what you're talking about, Zach. <laughs> I, I don't know. How old are you? I am, I was born in 84, so whatever that oh, makes huh? me. All right, so in 84, track. when you were nine, in 91, the red box for you might have been Beck Me, the Beck Me box by Frank Menser. That sound uh, accurate or no? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know either. <laughs> so it shows you I don't know what the hell I'm talking about either. <laughs> yeah, I have to look it up. I don't know who it is. It was a TSR thing. It was not. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know if it had a name attached to it. I think it was the original Gygax version. It was like a reprint of Gygax. Uh, that would have been on an old wooden box. I don't think they ever reprinted the little brown books from no, the No, I guess you're right. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I'd have to go find it. But it was great. And yeah, and then we started playing Shadowrun, and then we played mm. uh, Vampire for a while. And then I started reading John Harper stuff and got really into small, mini, kind of indie we can throw out all of these convoluted rules for everything because I just don't care anymore. Yeah, I got you. That's like Forge stuff, right? Isn't John Harper yeah. a Forge guy? Yeah. Yep, I was doing stuff on the Forge, and and I was totally not understanding the mentality of the Forge until like a year after the Forge stopped. I would put out a rule, and they'd be like, why is that rule? And I would be like, what do you mean why? <laughs> it's just... All the all the games have these rules. Why wouldn't I have ammunition rules or something like that? But now I understand what they were getting at as far as make a rule that contributes to what you want the game to do, not just because that's what everybody is doing and putting that rule in the game. So, so I kind of cut my teeth in the forge, but have been sitting on um, actually putting my stuff out there for far too long. That is awesome, man. Yeah, I'm Good. excited. Good. I'm uh, I'm super thankful for all the the Kickstarter support too, like all the backers and stuff like that. That's making dreams come true right there. I really appreciate everybody's support on that stuff. It's excellent. Yeah, yeah, you did great. Awesome. All right, so thank you for that. Let's get into the main topic. So, what I really wanted to talk to, which I feel everyone is going to be interested in once we mention it is actually just this product that you created out your mini mega dungeon the evils of ilmire so my first question is what why is this the first product that spell sword is putting out oh like back in the day i remember one of I, I remember making an adventure one time, like back in the 90s, and I knew that if I was ever going to make an adventure, it would be this one. I just thought it was original enough. I hadn't seen it done. And so I just decided Zine Quest was a good opportunity to jump in, and, and I just went back to the first page of the repertoire and started there. All right. So if you were going to say not necessarily inspiration for gaming but inspiration for this product specifically what would what are your biggest inspirations i guess i was basically so they were like okay my my part my team my crew was basically like all right let's play tonight we want to play D, D. so i'm like all right i got to come up with an adventure so i started flipping through the 
uh, the second edition monster manual and found the fear, which is, mm-hmm. I think it's F E Y R and it feeds off of fear. So I was like, okay, what if we put one of those like under the city and then there was a dude or like some kind of uh, priest, false priest that was egging on the fear and feeding this creature with fear by preaching all of this terrible, scary stuff. And so that was where it uh, originated and they, and it totally worked. They remember it like the, my, my friends all remembered that adventure as being one of their favorites. So that was a sort of confirmation that I think it worked well and would make a good adventure. And then it's, I decided that I was going to start with that and then try to pack in as much content as I could to make it not just one little thing, but a full, complete, got everything you need to, to run for a couple months and several parties could enjoy uh, playing it. All right. So, why do you call it a mini mega hex crawl? I wanted to give you like a full campaign, but still cram it all into a, a, a zine. So it could be a tome if you really wanted it to be. But I tried my best to make it pocket sized. So it's like a pocket sized. It's like a Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> to tell you guys from my experience with the product. I ran 15 four-hour sessions of uh, a campaign using the evils of Ilmire, and we used maybe three of the locations. And there are I think there's how many? 16 with, yeah. if you add the, the expansion. <laughs> so it's quite a 16 bit. locations. We used three, and that was 15 four-hour sessions. So, awesome. I mean, that four months, easily a year that you could run a whole campaign, especially if you ad- added anything into it at all. So it is dense. It is dense with some awesome stuff. All right. Uh, what about... Who'd you use for artists? And you can even shift into cartography for that if you want. Like, who'd you pick? Yeah. Why? And, and what made you do that? So I had no money and re- really no no startup funds. There is a brilliant cartographer by the name of Dyson Logos, who I think everybody's heard of. And he has a Patreon. And part of his giving back to his patrons and, and really just the gaming community in general is he made basically almost his entire backlog of maps uh, free. So you can use, they're free for commercial. Anybody's free to use them, and it's super generous. So I was able to use a bunch of those at no cost, which was great because I had no startup funds. And then I was able to license a bunch of non-commercial ones from him because just because they matched what I needed for that concept. So half of them are licensed and half of them are available on his website for any developer to use, which is is super awesome of him to do. He is a pillar of the community. Yes. If there is a community. (laughs) I also went to Reddit and basically just found people that were making awesome maps and messaged them and said, hey, are you interested in doing a commissioned map? And I found Patrick Olson, who I'm pretty sure he's in he's in Scandinavia somewhere. So it's fun having friends across the way and, and having an international effort. That was really cool. And I found a bunch of other artists that way too, basically just messaging people who are posting stuff on Reddit. 
Oh, so that's a cool, that's interesting to me. That helps you guys out there how you might be able to do it with a low budget. We got Zine Quest 3 coming up. Exactly. It's, Zine Quest go. is awesome, man. It's, it's such a good opportunity for creators and consumers to all band together. I'm so excited. I'm going to back at least, <laughs> I don't know, 10 zines or more this coming <laughs> month. I can't wait. All right, so leading into that, how do you feel that the Zine Quest or the Kickstarter specifically went? You got like any do's and don'ts or any advice or anything that you'd give anybody for Zine Quest 3? Yes. So if you're going to do a Zine Quest, I would say, one, just do whatever you're excited to do. I think that it's easy. Personally, for me, it was easy to bite off a lot. It was a lot to chew through. So be careful about overscoping yourself, but you know, you just do what you got to do. You still got to get it done no matter what. And stretch goals. I think stretch goals became, they went on a little longer than I had hoped. I was, I mean, the pandemic happened right after the, the Kickstarter finished. So that was a kick in the gut because I had some people lined up to, let's see if I can get myself back going here. I had some people lined up to uh, help me out with some of the stretch goals but that sort of threw a wrench in that this coming these coming kickstarters will have much simpler stretch goals i think we ended up managing to finish all of them just recently we released all of them so all stretch goals completed i think a lot of people say that about the stretch goals so keep that in mind people all right so what about the evils of Ilmire is your favorite thing? What about it do you love, the product itself? I think my favorite part is... Good question. As a whole, I just really... And I think it came out well. I, I guess my favorite part would be... Do you have a favorite dungeon? Do you have a favorite like table that you made? Or a favorite NPC? No, I'm terrible at favorites. I, okay, yes. <laughs> Top three. <laughs> the, yes, The Observer. I thought The Observer okay. came out really neat. He's my favorite. He's got like a Scooby-Doo type of thing going on, somebody said. I, I really I thought that was a good analogy. So The Observer never happened in my campaign at all. Has, did he happen in any of your play? Yes, he was able to hire the PCs for a while. They eventually mm. caught wind that he might not be a great guy, but they never got back to challenging him okay they met him in person or yeah they discovered oh, okay so they got into his lair and oh, um, nice they he gave him a bunch of questions and then he started to send them off on random errands and they completed two and then never never went back that's some serious of, hex crawling to do that that's that's pretty darn cool it was fun man it is it, i wish i could have gotten a lot more play testing done but my in-person crew fizzled out when the pandemic hit understood yeah uh, i did all the play online our game started like in may and it went i don't even know how long it went 15 sessions for sure so a few yeah. months i would say one of the things that i had the most fun doing is on the hex crawl map itself you have you have it numbered and then you included like your own way uh, your own almost truths about the way to use the map which one of them was like the weather so each time you're supposed to roll what 3d20 i do it all at once so i had 3d20 that i would roll and it would tell you like what which hex had it was raining so there's 19 hexes in the hex crawl map and they're numbered obviously 
And so you roll 3d20. If you roll a 20, it means uh, stronger weather in one of them. Is that right? Or what? what's the 20? Yeah. So uh, 20, I think, means that you roll again and it was uh, mm. and it's like a downpour. And in that hex and then all the surrounding hexes also have rain in it. So it's like a same thing if there's a double if you roll two 16s or something so yeah 20 would even match more so i thought that was pretty interesting and it also uh made me feel like gary had it right and you have to keep track of time you don't have a meaningful campaign if you're not keeping track of time but i really i enjoyed that so i printed off just the map and i'd have it sitting next to me and then i'd have four or i had three red d20 or d4s and so i'd roll the dice and then i'd put those on the map and then i would always remember i would just glance over if they ever did um, much hex crawling or anything so that was kind That's of awesome. an interactive i didn't have it actually on on the roll 20 to show them i had the map on there but it's not like i didn't have a special handout that would show oh this is where it's raining because they wouldn't necessarily know that and i'm really kind of maybe old school and only kind of telling players what their characters would know most of the time unless they really want to do something beyond that so i really thought that interact the way you were doing the maps like he has his own methodology of moving around the hex map which includes the weather which includes how often do you roll random encounters each hex has its own random encounter table each hex has its own thing that happens in it so you have 19 hexes that it's just a ton of material to fit into 72 pages I've always been super excited about my own zine, the first one I did, which was 64 pages. And I called it a mini mega dungeon is what I called it because it had lots nice. of different sites. And it, had, it none of them were massive, but it had a lot of different sites to explore. And I thought it was super dense. It doesn't match up to Evils of Illmire. Dude, Evils link it Illmire. anyway. I want to see it. I want to see your uh, mini mega dungeon. <laughs> All, right. All right, I will. Okay, so what would you do differently? I guess I honestly did not enjoy... I don't really enjoy statting monsters that much. It's like one of my least favorite things. I just have my own idea and having to express that, especially as much as I love the old school. Don't get me wrong. But it's nobody needs to know the charisma of this giant snail or something. You know what I mean? Like It's just stuff that's not relevant that I feel like could be easily distilled out into something, I, I really appreciate the OSR for that reason. I think they do a really good job of minimizing, because I'm too old now, man. I can't, it's too complicated. <laughs> I don't like those big stat blocks from 3X and, and on. I don't necessarily like it in LFG, because you have to, because that's what the problem is. As soon as you start making your ability scores, your saving throws, now you have to know what all your ability scores are. And people yeah. ask, well, why do you have a saving throw table? And that's part of the thing right there is now you're going to decide because every time you change it to ability scores, now you have a big, it automatically is making your stat block bigger for your monsters. Yeah. Totally agree. But that didn't really answer the question. What would you do differently if you were recreating the evils of Ilmire? Is there anything in there? I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I sent this product to my man, Eric Hoffman, the author of the Treasure Vault of Zadabad, which I was really hoping you were going to say, oh, no, that product was one of my inspirations for making the evils of Ilmire. <laughs> Who does Zadabad? It was Carl Vault. Bussler and Eric Hoffman. Okay, yeah, because I did Stormlord Publishing. Yeah, I play tested with Carl Bussler with DCC when he okay. before he had published it. Yeah, I love Isle of Dread and Treasure Vaults of Zadabad is definitely... Those two, I think, definitely played a role in inspiration. 
as well as there's the one by Nate Treem. I, I'm trying to remember what it's called. I, I can't remember the name off the top. For Dungeon? It's written for Dungeon World or no, Perilous Lands? No? It, it's like a standalone little weird space game. But it had oh. the 19 hex style little hex mm. crawl, and that was a big inspiration, as nice. well as The Night Below. The Night Below is, has always been my, that's what I think is the best. Mm, that's right. my golden standard. So uh, here's what one of my. Do, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what no, I, I, I guess you should answer that. You don't know what you would do. Oh, that's fine. I that's don't cool. think so. Yeah, I think no. I, I thought that's it came a, out. awesome. Yeah. Actually, if you wouldn't do anything differently, so here's one of the questions that we had, Eric Hoffman and I, when we were discussing this, and there may be a hex talk episode about that. Okay. Why you did a small hex map key, which I think this was your concept of the control panel, where you have the hex map and then a very brief uh, synopsis of each hex. But then when you went into the details of each of the hexes, you didn't do them in numerical order. Yeah, that was sort of dumb. It's just, it. so it started out, it got so big, and I had been working on it for so long that it all started to just blend together into a big sort of miasma in my head. And when I was writing it, I I started to feel like there was some sort of information that was delivered in certain order that if I started to change it, maybe it would be confusing. And next, so, okay, things that I would do differently, that's, <laughs> that's it, basically, is just put them in, in numerical order yep. and and make sure, and then re-go and, and back through the beginning, write it out to make sure there's nothing that is being referenced that hasn't really been explained or, or detailed yet. Yeah, that's, I, I think... That's the biggest thing that I found was difficult to traverse yeah, make through sense. the book. If you're using a PDF or the actual physical product, finding out that that was tough for me. And that's the first thing he said. And I mean, I really trust Eric because he, I'm a treasure vault of Zadabot is like been my number one product almost of any RPG product for a long time. Definitely a hex crawl product because there's not too many like Swordfish Island, like Jeff Seifert was mentioning, is a good one. Treasure Vaults, Isle of Dread, those are like I don't know the Snake Dream one, so I'm definitely going to have to look at that. Put that in the show notes, maybe. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. I have to look that one up. I can't remember. All right, so we are running out of time already. But what I'm thinking about doing this is 2021. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't make it 40 minutes. Maybe we'll get a little longer if that's okay with you. I am. I got a little bit longer, and then I got some dinner plans with the family. Okay. All right. So why don't you talk about what's next for Spellsword? I have in February, I have two Kickstarters running back to back for Zine Quest. The first one is Realms of Peril. So Realms of Peril is, I put it in the show notes there with the link to it. It is what I've been working on since about 2012. So I discovered uh, Dungeon World and Apocalypse World, and I really liked the way that those played. I'm not a huge fan of the super narrative. I, I kind of got this OSR thing that I still want to try to maintain, but I really, I just always end up playing, even when I play old school D&D &D now, I still sort of just, I really like that the player, fo the players do all the rolling, and then it's not a binary pass-fail. There's also mm -hmm. a chance that you may pass, but also encounter danger, which to me just adds an extra level of richness that was missing when I when it was all just simulation, yes or no, binary, it just didn't. I don't know. Conceptually, it works better for me. Um, I get you. 
That's the horseshoe, man. That's the horseshoe we talk about, the difference between story games and OSR games. Isn't that big unless you're, because even at the far ends, it actually tends, tends to get closer because I've never been just pass-fail rolling yeah. when I played when I ran OSR games in 1980 I wasn't just pass fail you'd use the die to decide what would happen mm -hmm. so and just give levels of each thing awesome all right so it sort of developed into this like I was playing dungeon world but then there's John Harper's world of dungeons which is like a ultra minimalized version which mm -hmm. I really really loved and started to play that and then I worked into this sort of hybrid where even if I was playing dungeon world I the players wouldn't necessarily see all the moves. I would use the moves as ways to adjudicate different types of situations that come up. And so that's kind of what Realms of Peril is. From the player's point of view, it's very OSR. There's minimal character sheets, so it's not the answer's probably not on your character sheet. It's just that's the only thing you need. And then there's a core mechanic that faces the players. And then all the moves that you would be used to are on the DM side or the GM side. And and so that's just kind of how I ended up running all games, and now I'm trying to sort of codify that into a West Marches focused game. So it's a it's a game system, or is it like a setting or location as well? Correct. It's a game system specifically for West Marches, and it's being fully illustrated by DC Stowe, who is awesome. I'll add his uh, link to the show notes there. He's doing amazing Great. artwork. I'm really excited for that. Um, and then after that, we have the Dragon Wilds, which is the campaign setting, a West Marches style campaign setting. That's going to be kind of like Evils of Ilmire, although I don't know exactly if there's going to be some overarching plot through the whole thing. I like the idea of just a bigger campaign setting with maybe smaller overarching plots for different areas. So that's still being conceptualized and finalized, and then that'll kickstart in February as well. Wow, that's sounds like you got a lot on your plate is there anything else you wanted to say what was the second one's called it's called the dragon wilds okay and the dragon wilds is going to be written to for all, agnostic or are you doing it for realms of peril it is so realms of peril the will sort of have the osr stat block ish and so it's going to be super easily compatible the dragon wilds will intend to be the campaign setting for Realms of Peril, but it's also totally easily used for all OSR games. Awesome. Those games sound great. I hope everyone will check them out. Yeah. I think I already signed up. You can follow the Kickstarters before they even start or something, right? Yes, there's a follow page so you can get notified, but Realms of Peril will go live on this coming Wednesday, which should be February 3rd. All right. I don't know how long. I haven't dropped the episode but i'm going to put it on the editor and we'll try and get this out maybe we'll get it out by then usually by thursday he usually has it if i have it done before monday so yeah uh, no worries maybe we'll get it out there so people can check it you'll have time all right yeah. so if you were going to leave either a legacy in the old school gaming scene or if you died what would your epitaph be you can answer either question you choose shoot I get. I don't know what my epitaph would be, so I guess if I was going to leave a legacy, I like the idea of being maybe one of those people that was able to bring back some of the classic things without all the negative baggage that always came along with it. I, I just that that hits the right note for me. I like being known for good vanilla, and it'd be cool to be known as the good vanilla guy. Yeah, you can join Gabor Lux. 
who is going to be on an episode very soon. He's already agreed to it. And I'm, I think I'm going to bring Eric Hoffman back and that'll be awesome. Yeah, uh, that'd maybe, be excellent. All right. So cool. Uh, that sounds great, man. You'll be one of the good vanilla guys. I don't know if I can give you the guy, sure. but maybe, you know, we'll see. we'll see. Maybe you'll overcome it. I don't know. All right. So let's get into some appreciation of the patrons. I like to give three shout outs. So DM Dave, I don't know if you guys know who this is. He was on one of the episodes of Hobbs and Friends. He he has a massive patron where he gives out free dungeons all the time. It's crazy. Next up is Colin Spike Pit Green. Thank you so much for being a patron of Hobbs and Friends. It's much appreciated. And then Angus. I don't know what Angus's last name is. Cool guy, though. Met him at uh, Gary Con, and he also does a podcast with my man, Ray Otis. So you three, thank you so much. I usually talk about TJ Drennan's Patreon, but he's on hiatus right now. But still appreciate your music, man. Thank you so much for all the bumpers, the theme music for Hobbs and Friends, Lost in Agata, Kalmada, all the stuff was all done by TJ Drennan. And he is the mother effing man. So thank you guys. If you want to be a patron of Hobbs and Friends, www.patreon.com forward slash OSRN Hobbs. Most of my Patreon now is about being in my games, really. It's uh, different tiers to get into different games, but the main thing for it is it's a support system for the entire gamerhood. So I appreciate it. You got a patron or anything you want to talk about, Zach? No. Just just the Kickstarter. We could push people there. That'd be awesome. Yeah, just kick ass on his Kickstarter. It's worth it. You'll love the Evils of Vilmire. I saw in the chat that a few people said they ordered it tonight after just hearing us talk oh, no. about it already. <laughs> I don't have to order new ones. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I so, got a couple left. If someone wanted to contact you about your evils, Zach, how would they get in contact with you? Spellswordnet at gmail.com. Awesome. I'm on the Twitters at OSRN Hobbs, or you can get my private account, which is at Hobbs Indeed. I also have lots of ways to interact with you guys. The main one I'm probably all the time on the Gamerhood Discord. I Twitch four to five times a week, show up in there. I have a YouTube that I'm really trying to get to. One of my goals for this year, 2021, is get to a thousand subscribers on my YouTube. So if you like the show, if you like any of my podcasts, go over there and follow and subscribe. That would be awesome. And then I have a Hobbs and Friends Facebook page, and I also have an HNF Facebook page where all of my Twitch games, streams, podcasts, everything on Twitch also streams to that. Oh my man, that's almost the end of the show. You got any last words or anything before we go? If any of your last moments, I really want to show you some stuff and the people on the, uh, like on the Roll20 and stuff like that. You got any last things before we shut off the podcast? No, sir. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on. And yeah, anytime you got availability, I'd be happy to come back. Awesome. Thank you very much. TJ, yes, hit sir. the music. TJ, yes, hit sir. the music. TJ, yes, hit sir. the music.
The views, information, or opinions expressed by those interviewed during the Hobbs and Friends podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Hobbs and Friends and its staff. Hobbs and Friends is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in the podcast series, available for listening on any platform of delivery. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform its listeners about the tabletop gaming industry. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising, which is incorporated into or placed in association with or targeted toward the content of this podcast without the express approval and knowledge of the Hobbs and Friends podcast creator is forbidden. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. The developers of the Hobbs and Friends podcast site assume no liability for any activities in the connection with this podcast or for the use of this podcast in connection with any other website, computer, or playing device.